Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Black Coffee with a Side of Candor. Today's a special day. We've got another guest on the podcast. So excited. Um, I'm Nikita Gatson. I am co-hosting with my girl Mo. Monique, how you doing today? Good. I'm super good, super good, super excited about our special guest today. Yes. <laughs> and our special guest is Arthur. Now, Arthur, I'm going to give you grace and allow you to pronounce your last name for us. Oh, well, thank you. It's it's Kubo Gamel. Kubo Gamel. We yeah. have Arthur Kubo Gamel with us. Arthur yeah. is a successful entrepreneur with experience starting and managing businesses both in the United States and abroad. He has unique experience managing employees both domestically and internationally. So Arthur is here with us to help us talk about managing people and what that looks like for entrepreneurs. He currently serves as um, a leader at the South Valley Mushroom Farm in Morgan Hill, California. And Arthur, you could tell us more about that. Um, but Monique, can you tell the people exactly what we're going to be talking about today? I am. So if, if you all can look at both of us, we kind of look alike. He's my brother. Arthur's my older <laughs> brother. Uh, so um, super excited. Like I said, he's he's been successful. He's a serial entrepreneur. So, I mean, just just super awesome. You know, how many siblings do you hear that really congratulate each other? But he is. He's he's always been super smart, super awesome. Um, so we're super excited to have him on today. Yes. Yes. And he is going to talk about he's he's managed people from different cultures, different backgrounds, different languages, um, just all different types of things. So he's going to talk to us about what that's like and how to be successful as a leader in that type of of environment. So welcome, brother. Welcome. No. Super awesome, well, brother Arthur. Well, we're so happy to have you. Well, thank you both for having me. Yes. So just for you guys' information, we know that we talk about this podcast being focused on giving voice to the Black female entrepreneur, but we do believe in learning from our male counterparts. And so we are super excited, as Monique has said, to have Arthur here to speak to us from the lens of a Black male entrepreneur and give us some tips about the journey of managing and hiring and dealing with people who the people the people Ooh. issues mm. so Arthur tell us a little bit about your career as an entrepreneur I know Monique has given us some nuggets but um happy to hear from your perspective how you've grown and evolved and and, and found success as an entrepreneur okay well um I think as Monique said um I before moving back to the U.S. I lived abroad um, first. Uh, my wife and I, we lived in Spain. And then later we moved to Belgium. And then from Belgium, uh, we ended up moving to Germany. We lived in Germany for about 15 years. Uh, we ran a business in Germany uh, during that 15 years where we were working with um, the US military that was uh, stationed throughout Germany. Uh, which was an incredible experience. And then later, after 9-11, our, our main customer, which was, which was the U.S. military, started to shift because people were being uh, de deployed as a response to 9-11. So 
Um, that affected our business. So then we started looking for other opportunities as um, people in the military would always say on the local economy, which meant on the German economy. So we were we were incredibly, incredibly fortunate that we had met people along the way who, who helped us and introduced us to other people. So we were able to um, luckily transition to finding enough business uh, with uh, the the local economy to to keep our business afloat, and uh, we did that for, geez, we did that at, at least for the final I would say eight years that we were that we were there. Um, we actually um, we actually moved into a new facility during that time, and again, you know. Um, Conflict is one of those external factors that you can never prepare for. So we had just, uh, when 9-11 had happened, we had been in our new facility for about uh, two years. So it was quite a shock to, um, for us uh, financially at first, because again, um, the military was probably at that point 90 to 95% of the business that we were doing. Um, but luckily 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 we we were able to to make the transition to to local businesses and for up until 2006 it it mainly transitioned to to local business and um actually i have to thank my kids for um being sort of the driver for us to really get more involved in 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 our town and our, our local community because um, our kids were going to the local schools. So our kids grew up um, speaking both English and, and German. So um, I didn't want to seem like the, the bump on the log that couldn't communicate <laughs> with anyone. So um, we, we hired, we, we sought out this um, guy who, uh, someone that we knew who was working for John Deere recommended as a language teacher. So um, he started teaching us uh, German. So uh, that was really helpful. And so, um, you know, practice makes perfect. So we made a lot of mistakes along the way. And um, yeah, and then in 2000, fast forward to 2006, um, we moved back to take over my wife's family's business. Um, and again, another external element um, caused us to readjust. We had the recession in 2008, mm -hmm. uh, because as I was sharing with Monique, uh, originally when um, we returned, the idea was to help uh, wind down the business, um, but that didn't happen. So um, we kept the business going through the recession. And then most recently we've, we've um, there have been some challenges keeping the business going through uh, shelter in place or COVID uh, related measures. And, um, you know, today those, those, those struggles continue. But um, again, I mean, I, I think if you don't like struggles, then don't get into business because <laughs> I, I, I think that's sort of a bad narrative that um, businesses also have that everything that you do in business is a home run and it's mm. it's definitely not it's it's always it, it's it's always a fluid very active set of challenges and successes so um 
I, I think it's very important to come to terms with that before you get into any business. I think that's 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 a really, really valid point. Um, because many of us as entrepreneurs have great vision and passion about, in most cases, the things that we're um, interested in pursuing as a business. And so sometimes I think we can get um, clouded vision about what success looks like and that it's the absence of any challenges. And that definitely is not the case. So I'm, I'm very happy to hear that even in a period where you are anticipating to wind down the business, not only has it sustained, but it seems like it has grown and evolved. So congratulations to you guys for that. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. So on that point, Arthur, so how do you know when it's time to hire more people when you're experiencing growth? Like what are some of the, the things that you go, you know what, it's time to hire somebody new? Well, one of my superpowers is I'm extremely cheap. So, um, <laughs> yes. so, so my advice would be you do it yourself until it's painful. Mm -hmm. And, and then you, not only does that give you an appreciation of the job that needs to be done or the tasks that need to be done, but also um, what it takes to do that job before you actually go out and hire someone, because it's easy to say, oh, I need a thousand boxes filled each day. Um, but if you, unless you've done it yourself, you really you really don't have any perspective or a good perspective on um, what it takes to fill those thousand boxes per day. Mm. But if you, if you try it, you know what it takes to do that. So I always, I always like to do something um, myself before I make the request or, or the demand to anyone else, like, Oh, I need you to do this because I always consider um, my ability at the low end of the scale. Like if I could do 80 boxes an hour, then someone that I'm hiring should, and if they say they've got experience, should at least be able to do a hundred. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it's, I, I think it's very, very um, uh, risky to just set this bar without having any of your own personal experience in, in doing something. That's yeah. a really good perspective um, because we've 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 had conversations between Monique and I and with other guests when we talk about as entrepreneurs we engage in activities or tasks that by nature we're not good at and so we talk about firing ourselves from doing those things that are taking up too much of our time that are not generating income but. I don't think that we can have the perspective either, number one, that we're not good at it, number two, to know how to hire and train someone to do the job that needs to be done, you know, without having had that experience doing it ourselves. So I think that's a really good point. It kind of flips the coin on that on that perspective. And so another, another thing that we wanted to ask about is not only getting con context for what the task or the job entails, but how do you handle when you're managing people in a task or a job that speak languages outside of English or if, to your point, being in Germany and having to learn uh, a native language to be able to manage or hire people um, in places where you may not be fluent in, in that language? Can you speak to us a little bit about how you handle 
language or cultural differences um, in the process of hiring and managing employees? I, I would say, and, and, and maybe this sounds overly simplistic, but I think it, first and foremost, it starts with decency and respect. Mm. No matter where someone comes from, um, no matter their age, background, sex, if you don't start with respect and decency with the people that work around you, um, you're 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 not starting, in my opinion, you're not starting off on on the on a good foot. Mm -hmm. um, so if you start there, even if you have to, um, even if you have to use sign, you know, like talk with your hands to get your point across to people who have difficulty maybe with your language or you have difficulty with with um, with their language, um, you have to find a way. Uh, communication is key to any any program. Um, and I, you know, giving people the opportunity also to to communicate with you. and and I, I would say you make that um, you make that your first request of anybody that's on your team that you know you have the ability to communicate with me as I hope, I have the ability to communicate with you and and value value everyone's input. Um, you know, something that I, I have to say I've always respected about Arthur is that he learned the language. Like he learned mm -hmm. German, he learned Spanish, mm -hmm. like so that he could learn how to more effectively communicate with people. So that's not something that that everyone has done. I know I've worked in environments where people just assume that, oh, well, they don't speak English. They need to le learn to speak English. Well, I think it says something when you make a, an effort to, to mm -hmm. learn the language of other people, not just be comfortable in your own. So I think that's huge. I agree. And I think that standard transcends beyond language barriers to the point of getting to know your your the people you're working with, whether they're contractors or employees, um, being able to treat people with decency and respect means that I would care enough about this professional relationship to learn enough about you so that you feel respected, whether that is a foreign language, whether that is a cultural practice, whether that is um, a, a accepting that different cultures use different dialects with the way in which they speak and one is not superior to the other. We're just creating an environment of understanding and uh, respect so that we can do what it is we came here to do and everyone can feel comfortable in that space. So I think um, that that advice about treating people with decency and respect as the foundation is, is key. And, and, and it certainly can transcend way far beyond um, speaking foreign languages. Yes, yes. And, and, you know, people are people. I think we forget that. I think mm -hmm. I had an, it, it, it's, you know, it's funny because I was in the military. So I was in Germany before my brother was there. And he ended mm -hmm. up moving uh, uh, to a facility that was like 20 minutes from where I was stationed. So wow. as, as being a military member overseas, you know, we... At the time, you just think, oh, geez, well, I'll just speak English because that's my language. Like, mm -hmm. if they don't understand me, that's too bad. Well, it's a real eye opener when you go out on the economy and people look at you like, oh, I'm not going to speak English. Like, make an effort at least. Right. And so, you know, you were kind of forced, but then you you started to realize, like, people are people. 
Like, it's just a different people. language, but people are people. People want to be treated with respect, you know? So, so I think that's a real eye opener when you have the opportunity and the privilege to work with people from all different types of cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like they have a, a ton of holidays in, in Germany. We weren't used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they shut down on s- certain Saturdays as a culture. And, you know, you think, well, geez, maybe we could learn something from that to spend time right. with their families and their children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their families were very important. So um, so thank you for that, Arthur. So, so what, if you had to pick uh, the three best practices uh, about managing people as an entrepreneur, what would those three be? Oh. Um, prioritize. Um, I would say uh, prioritize and, and, and share those priorities with everyone. Everybody. Not, not just your top people. I, I found that um, to be the biggest mistake uh, when I've worked with other people um, outside of my own co- companies, um, when I was doing consulting, um, I see that as the biggest mistake. You, you have to include everyone because if you look at your business, if, if you say, oh, I've got a business of 100 people or 1,000 people or however many employees you have, everybody counts. Um, you know, people often um, don't take advantage of um, sharing the goals of the company with everyone to get everyone's input. Um, I think that's essential to any kind of project that the that the company is trying to do. And then also um, listen. Um, listen to listen to the input and and oftentimes you'll hear things about yourself mm-hmm. that you may not want to hear mm-hmm. um, but you have to be open enough to to take it in the sense that it was given because it's I mean you have to you have to think about it from maybe an employee's perspective or, an, or a team member's perspective if someone's criticizing you um, you know, and in, in, in what sense is that criticism coming? Is it is it really how they they see you? In other words, it's their criticism is meant to help you adjust to to better interact with with them in the future, or is it is it just negative criticism? And and a lot of times, surprisingly, it's it's more constructive in nature than people think, but you know, ego gets in the way and mm-hmm. you go, oh, I don't like what you said about me. <laughs> yeah. I, if I if I could briefly, I, I had an experience. Uh, we were doing a presentation on, mo- on Monday for a group of um, second graders and second graders are, are probably the second and third grades are probably the best age group to speak to. So we are winding down. And so I asked the teacher, I said, well, how much time do we have left? And she said, oh, five minutes. So the kids, the kids asked, how old are you? And so I told them how old <laughs> I was. And their response from coming from second and third grade, but again, it's perspective. You're old. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I say that to say that, you know, th- there was the, the fragile part of myself where I was like, I'm never coming back to another school again. <laughs> yeah. 
But if you think about it from a second or third grader's perspective, if you're 14, 15 years old, you're old. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, it was, um, I kind of got off topic. I'm sorry. Um, you good. So, yeah. okay. You gave us prioritize and share the priorities. Listen. You got one more good nugget for us? Yeah. I, um, don't be afraid to mingle with your team. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, don't, don't be afraid. I, I think um, nothing motivates people more than them seeing a willingness of an owner or someone in a management position above them willing to help them do their, their job. Yeah. And listen to them about about their job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at, at at our facility, we we have restroom facilities. Well, you know, the thing that would cripple our business is if the person that manages the restroom facility said, "I'm not going to do that today." <laughs> <laughs> that would affect everyone. Yeah, and it's yeah. and it's the same. If if we make a decision that's not a good decision, that affects everybody. So I, I think um, mingle with people. Don't be afraid to don't be afraid to encourage input from people and and react to react in a positive way to to the input that you're getting from people that you work with. Um, I I know this is going beyond my three, but um, love what you do. Mm. There, there's there there's nothing worse than yeah. working with people that you don't want to see. <laughs> you are right about that. <laughs> <laughs> you are right about that. Right. Be, because um not that to single myself out, but we put in a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And so I want that time for myself to be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And and it's taken me a while to get to that point, but um, I don't like conf- I, I don't like conflict with other people. There there are there are there are larger things to be accomplished in a business than conflict. You can waste so much time on he said she said mm-hmm. discussions, and you know there's never any net positive that comes out of that. Yeah. But if you if you if you focus on the vision of of what you're doing in your organization, that's that's probably the most important thing. This, that's amazing. Yeah. If I could yeah. just recap, because I, I think everybody needs to just make sure we pull your little notebooks out or, <laughs> and, and take these notes. First was to prioritize. Make sure you have your priorities in place. And after you've done that, communicate what those priorities are to your teams. So that they could be a part of accomplishing those priorities. Listen, if someone is saying, hey, this bathroom been dirty for the last 30 minutes and no one's come to clean it up, then listen or or whatever the issue is, or if it's even pray. So don't only listen for um, the things that are going well, listen for all of the constructive feedback so that everyone can have um, that optimal experience in the organization um prioritize listen oh mingle with the people don't be standoffish there's nothing worse than having to 
to, it, I'll just speak from my own experience. It, it is very off-putting to be in an office setting or anywhere and the people that are in a position of management think they're better. They They show you that they think they're better than you to the point where I don't have to communicate with you. I don't need to be seen having conversations with you. And it creates a divide. Mm-hmm. Um, and it 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 makes open communication much, much more difficult. And then you don't get to hear about what's going on um, in middle management or below to figure out if there are issues that, that need to be dealt with. Um, and when you're mingling, be able to take that constructive criticism. If someone, I'll never forget, I had a boss who would at the last minute, she would move my meetings around. And I know things like that happened, but I'd had the courage to say, Hey, this makes me feel like you don't value the time that we set aside together, that I don't get the time that I need to go over the issues with you or the, get the advice from you that I need. Mm -hmm. And she heard that and she made an adjustment. So be able to be a kind of leader that can take that constructive criticism and if I'm recalling correctly that final nugget was love what you do there's nothing worse than waking up in the morning and feeling like oh my god I have to go here again and deal with these people again and do this thing again Um, love what you do so that you can get on the front lines with your people and they can see you engaged and loving what you do and who you do it for and I think those kinds of things help to create loyalty to the organization that helps to improve the relationships among um, everyone in the, in the organization. So I think these are some really, really good nuggets that Arthur has shared with us about managing and maintaining those employee, employee or contractor relationships. So thank you so much, Arthur. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. And, and so I don't know, or if you want to pub all your businesses, because what you're <laughs> passionate about, I know is the beekeeping. So um, if, if you want to give like a, a 30 second, just what you love about your businesses, like a commercial, have at it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a product to plug, but well, your beekeeping um, services, yeah, well, your honey. Um, well, it, it, it was kind of interesting because, um, beekeeping actually came about because when we came back to um, take over the management of the farm, um, I met a person and I thought the person was joking. They said, hey, I've got bees. If you ever want bees, you know, let me know. So I sort of half joking, half serious said, sure, I'll take some. (laughs) And a month later, we had a follow-up phone call and she asked me, she said, oh, are you serious about that? And I said, yeah. Following day, she showed up with bees on the back of her truck. Wow. And I and so that, that ho- I got hooked. Um, and then I, I really, really got into it. Um, I, I studied bees. Um, I went as far as um, getting my, my, masters from from cornell in in beekeeping really Um, yeah so um yeah i'm 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 on the deep end when it comes when it comes to bees but uh it's been fascinating it's really really been fascinating i've um 
I've done consulting for major, major corporations um, as it relates to um, food insecurity and pollinators' roles in uh, mm. food insecurity. Wow. Um, I've spoken to some just incredible, incredible groups of, mm. of young people uh, about beekeeping. Um, I, I recently had an opportunity to speak to the California Conservation Corps, which is a group of 18 to 25 year olds, uh, very, very diverse group of people from, from all over, all over California. And um, yeah, just, just a fascinating, fascinating experiences. Um, yeah, it, you know, it, it's really interesting to me, um, aside from the beekeeping. Um, but one thing, one other note that I would share is, I think if you're passionate about something, Mm -hmm. um if you're if you're dealing with people within your company or if you're dealing with anyone on the outside of your company so customers i, th I think i think people sense that mm -hmm. I, I think people sense you know that that this is what this person really likes to do yeah um and it's it's infectious i mean we're we're incredibly incredibly fortunate i mean we we get so much from our customer. I mean, think about it. We have a business. It, you know, if you just look at it on the surface, we're just a business, but the business is about the relationships that you build internally and externally. And we have people that actually bring us gifts from their vacation. So think about wow. that. I mean, think about, you know, oh, I'm on my vacation and hey, I really like that business. Let me bring that business owner a gift from my vacation. I mean, I think that's like, wow. I mean, it's just, just amazing. That speaks volumes to the care that, that is given to that customer experience and, and the passion and love that the people that work with and for you have for that business. So thank you so much, Arthur, for being well, thank with you us for having today. Me. If you guys are ever in Morgan Hill and you want either some very delicious mushrooms or very honey. delicious honey yeah. stop by the or South you need Valley beekeeping consulting <laughs> <laughs> that part too um so thank you so much we've, we've learned a lot I'll, I'll be calling you to figure out how do i try to stop swatting the bees how do i get a little bit more comfortable with their presence well, but until that time what? we'll take these nuggets that you have given us there about is a managing people We'll have to bring you back about dealing with bees. <laughs> well, you should you should get in contact. There is a uh, a black women's organization of beekeepers. Mm. Very interesting group. Yeah. Very very interesting group. Sounds like it. Wow. Sounds like it. Look at yeah. this. Look at well, there. thanks everybody for yeah, tuning in you. to another well, episode. Thanks, Arthur, Monique. Always a pleasure. And um, make sure you guys tune in, watch our other episodes, subscribe, hit like and share and we'll see you next time for another episode of black coffee with a side of candy goodbye Bye -bye.